Hello from Houston, and welcome to the Highlights Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Houston Young Lawyers Association. Our goal is to learn, lead, network, and serve. And welcome back to the Highlights Podcast. My name is Femi, and I'm a transactional attorney here in Houston. And my name is Patrick. I'm an arbitration lawyer also here in Houston. So we are having a, a a bit of a series in which we are interviewing the TYLA presidential candidates. So today on the podcast, we have Reginald Reggie Wilson. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you all for having me and thank you all for listening to the podcast today. So uh, Reggie, why don't you go ahead, tell us about yourself. What was your path to becoming a lawyer in Texas? Um, also, what's your day job and how did you come to be involved in TYLA? Sure, and, and I'll start with telling the listeners a little bit about myself. So, of course, my name is Reggie Wilson. I'm currently the District 6, Place 5 Director for Texas Young Lawyers Association. I've been with TYLA on the Board of Directors since 2017. Uh, I currently live in Houston, Texas with my beautiful wife, Gabrielle, and our 11-year-old pit bull, who's a lap dog, who would love to lick all of you listening to death. Um, I was born in Abbeville, Louisiana. It's a small town about 20 miles south of Lafayette, Louisiana. And the funny thing about that is, and this tells you how small it is, growing up, Uh, The joke of the town or one of the crazes of the town was our regular Walmart turning into a super Walmart. So that just lets you know how how small the town really is. At a young age, my parents moved me and my siblings to Plano, Texas. It's a suburb of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I graduated high school from Plano East Senior High School, and I attended Texas Southern University in 2005 on a football scholarship. Um, After Texas Southern University, I went on to work for Allstate Insurance for a few years, and then I moved to Third Good Marshall School of Law, where I graduated at the top of my class. I received an offer from Norton Rose Fulbright, where I currently practice and have been practicing for the last six years in the public law section, which is a transactional section. to address your question of my path to becoming a lawyer, it, it's it's an interesting one. Um, I think it ties in with some of my platforms that I'll be mentioning a little later in the podcast. So law school, I knew in undergrad that I wanted to attend law school. In 2009, during my last semester at Texas Southern University, after the scholarships had run out from football, um, I fell on financially difficult times. It was during the economic downturn. And during that time, I stepped away from school and I thought I would work and then re-enroll in the fall and complete my undergraduate degree. However, things progressively got worse. During that time, I was evicted from my apartment. Uh, My car was repossessed. I was couch surfing from friend's house to friend's house. And when those opportunities ran out, I was actually living on the streets, uh, panhandling for money. It was during that time that I met a mentor that helped me out significantly, which is how I ended up at Allstate Insurance. And during my entire time while I was at Allstate, he would challenge me to study for the LSAT and he gave incentives. And his incentives were 
if you study every day during lunch, your lunch hour, and show me that you're serious about law school, I will pay for your LSAT. Coming from the spot that I was in initially from not having anything and being homeless into someone offering you an opportunity um, to, to attend law school and to pursue your dreams, it, it was it was awesome. So I followed through and <clears throat> I did well on, on, on the LSAT and I was able to get into Thurgood Marshall. So that's a little bit about my path to how I how I got into law school. Getting into public finance was completely different. Um, all throughout law school, I wanted to be a litigator. I wanted to go into labor and employment. All of my internships were geared towards labor and employment. It was about a month before I started my summer associate program at Norton Rose Fulbright that I uh, the the firm had a, a Houston area wide luncheon. And during that luncheon, uh, I was strategically placed next to the head of public finance. And I remember telling him specifically, uh, he said, hey, look, I'm hiring. And I remember telling him, hey, best of luck. And that's how that's how interested I was in litigation, specifically labor and employment. However, by the end of that conversation, he had talked me into at least putting uh, public finance in my top three options. So that summer, I interned between labor and employment and public finance, I love my job. The rest is kind of history. Uh, I chose public finance. To address your last question, you said, what is your day job and, and, and how to, and, and uh, so my day job is in public finance. We work with governmental entities. We do municipal bond work and financing for governmental entities like Harris County, city of Houston, uh, and Houston ISD. So it's it's a very uh, very for negotiation negotiating with financial institutions on behalf of governmental entities. Getting involved in TYLA was a little different for me. Uh, like I said, I started in 2017. It was a vacated seat by a director who had moved out of the country. I started in the middle of the year. So when I met everyone at TYLA, it was uh, January of 2017 was my first meeting, and by then they had already had two fall meetings. So everyone knew each other and I was kind of behind the eight ball, but I did hit the ground running with a lot of uh, great guidance from the then president, Bailey Rhodes. So that was kind of my path getting involved in TYLA. Honestly, I knew it was the public service arm of the State Bar of Texas, but I didn't know how involved it was and how beneficial and great the work really was with TYLA until I started doing the work. So that's a little bit about myself and how I got involved in TYLA. Thank you, Reggie. Talking a little bit more about that, can you tell us about your involvement in TYLA over the years and specifically what projects have you been involved with and what challenges have you overcome? <clears throat> sure. Um, so my involvement with TYLA has been great, actually. Um, I'm now on my fourth president. So I've been involved quite some time. Presidents switch every single year. And these presidents come up with these phenomenal projects. And I, and some of the projects that I've worked on with TYLA over the years is most recently Iconic Women in Legal History, where we focused on the trendsetters and trailblazers, uh, women that are, that are instrumental to the success of legal history that broke down barriers, which was near and dear to uh, Brittany Harrison, the current president's heart. Last year, I worked on Your Voice Now, and Your Voice Now was 
geared towards law-focused education. What I mean by that is we work with educators across the state of Texas to implement programs. And Your Voice Now started from a case some time ago, I mean, many moons ago, about freedom of speech in grade school. And some of the things that have been held up and opportunities that students typically don't know about. So during this, we had interviews with students that went through uh, these experiences that were instrumental. We had interviews with educators, and we also had interviews with administrative personnel. And lastly, we had interviews with um, with the parents of these students. And it, it's, it's just so eye-opening of the rights that students don't know they have when it comes to freedom of speech, wanting to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance or not, whether it's wanting to put your hand over your heart or not. It's just knowing your rights so that that was that was very instrumental uh the year before that i focused on evicted in texas which is a landlord and tenants right which hit near and dear to my heart because previously i mentioned that i was evicted so it's a process that i know unfortunately all too well and we also know that evictions move so quickly landlords and Tenants typically don't know they're right. And this project was a good project because it was on the it was on the heels of uh, Hurricane Harvey and people not knowing people being landlords and tenants not knowing their rights when it came to some of the challenges that they faced. Uh, so that, that that was a tough project for me to, to go through because of my personal experiences and the interviews that we had with the various organizations. Um, that provide resources and help. Uh, it was just phenomenal. I, I wish I would have known that type of information when I was going through uh, those challenges of mine. And these are the types of free material that TYLA include on TYLA.org. I mean, it's just a ton of stuff, not only for young lawyers, but for general members of the public as well. In addition to that, I did something similar to you guys. Uh, I was involved in the Young Gunners podcast where we spoke about various topics, whether it was career development, business development, work-life balance, how to be a superstar within a big firm, um, how to build your brand as a solo practitioner. There are just a various uh, podcasts that we did that were available on uh, Apple Music and Spotify and, and really any of the big name ones that you could go and listen to our Young Gunner podcast, which <clears throat> spending a lot of time in the car like I do driving in and out of town when it pre-COVID of course when when I went into the when I went into work it's just an ample time to get some really good information and I commend uh Patrick you and, and Femi for for handling this and introducing it to the Houston Young Lawyers Association it's it's phenomenal so kudos to you guys another project I was involved in is a round table and it was towards the future of the legal profession and myself along with my co-chair we traveled to uh, various cities starting with Houston uh, San Antonio and Dallas we tried to hit some of the smaller ones as well with roundtable discussions with various types of attorneys meaning you know ranging from solo practitioners governmental employees managing partners of M 100 law firms. We had a mix of, of, of the panelists and we just discussed various topics like diversity, um, mental health, 
transitioning from regional to global firms and boutique firm opportunities. So it was some really good information that we put in these uh, reports and submitted to the then president of TYLA, who was able to present those findings to the state bar of Texas in hopes that we can implement additional, allocate additional resources and implement additional programs to make sure that we address lawyers' concerns uh, when, when going towards the future in the legal profession. And then the, yes. last, and then oh. the last, uh, the last one I, I, I dealt with is diversity scholarships. And I think that kind of speaks for itself. We, we went to law schools and, and graded uh, essays and needs for, for, uh, for scholarships to continue throughout law school. Thank you, Reggie. What is your definition of leadership? What should one look for in a leader for TYLA and how do you meet that standard? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Uh, I think my definition for leadership has evolved over the years. Uh, as I mentioned, I've been a football captain. I'm currently on committees within Norton Rose Full Pride that's geared towards recruitment, retention, and promotion of attorneys. So I've been in leadership roles. I'm currently in leadership roles. And I honestly think that I'd like to follow, or I do follow and model leadership on Leaders Eat Last. And that's actually a really good book that I would recommend anyone to listen to, um, or excuse me, I say listen to, um, we're thinking of a podcast right now, but it's actually anyone I would re recommend reading and it's by uh, Simon Sinek. And the, the concept behind Leaders Eat Last is it's not just you put team members before yourself, but it's also learning to trust others. So when you name those chairs and those co-chairs and those leads of those committees, it's not micromanaging. It's, it's allowing them to be free, knowing that they're in that position for a particular reason and fully trusting them to implement the programs that they think would be beneficial for the organization. It's working for towards one goal instead of kind of competing or not worrying about someone trying to take your idea. So I think when it comes to leadership, I honestly like to implement leaders eat less. Leadership is it's it's adapting. It's constant adapting. And that's whether to it's a, to a personality, to a certain situation. And then it's also about listening. Uh, great leaders have to listen. And I think that that goes a long way when it comes to TYLA particularly, because there are so many great opportunities and projects out there that you need to listen to people across the entire state of Texas to make sure that you're touching on various areas, not only for, you know, particular cities or certain firms, but make sure you, 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 you touch on the El Pasos, the Amarillos, the Corpus Christi's, and then in addition to that, the continued projects that help lawyers across the state and some of the bigger cities as well, knowing that there are different challenges from firms to governmental entities, uh, nonprofit organizations, boutique firms, solo practitioners. So being able to listen, take what you learn and then implement or create a project is all a part of being in leadership. Thanks, Reggie. To that end, what would you consider to be the number one concern that Texas young lawyers have? And how do you aim to address that concern during yeah. your term? Another great question. And I think uh, uh, the number one concern from my point of view, and, and this is the number one priority that I've been hammering down over the last month, is mental health challenges. 
I work with an organization called Mental Health America, where they take polls and statistics on depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts or attempts of suicide. Just from March of 2020 to December of 2020, this one organization, through their one poll, had over 175,000 people that reported uh, suicide, suicidal thoughts or attempt of suicide. And that's far too heavy. When you think about the legal profession and the things that we do, I mean, we literally get paid and compensated to address client issues, address partner issues, address uh, inner firm or inner organization issues. Then you leave there and you still have to deal with your family and friends. And this is all before you ever address your personal concerns. So I want to make sure that attorneys across the state of Texas are receiving resources to address mental health challenges. I know from a large law firm or a large organization standpoint, those resources are typically available in-house, but I want to make sure that we also focus on our boutique firms and our solo practitioners as well. And in addition to the larger firms and the larger organizations, sometimes it's uh, a bit daunting to go through your firm or your organization for that support. So let's offer those third party away from your, your career employment, place of employment opportunities. I think we can do that by partner, well, number one, allocating additional resources towards mental health challenges. And then number two, making sure that we uh, continue to build those relationships and provide those resources for therapists and counseling uh, in the profession. One thing that we did learn, um, and I think it's pretty obvious that the, the legal profession is number one uh, for substance abuse. And sometimes you don't realize that you are becoming dependent on substance to just function day to day. So again, I think one of the biggest challenges that we have within Texas Young Lawyers Association is mental health challenges. And we can address that by allocating additional funds to make sure that we receive the help that we need. Thank you very much. As a last question, why is involvement in TYLA important? How does its work affect and benefit young lawyers in Texas? And what is your pitch to get people involved? Yeah, I think I think uh, TYLA is important because we are known as this public service arm of the State Bar of Texas. With that being said, we receive funding to create these projects to help not only young lawyers, but lawyers in general and the general public. So it is a form of, it's a major form of community service. It's all voluntary, um, but, but the type of projects that we offer completely free of charge is second to none. I, I think it's helped a lot of people in a lot of different ways, whether it's actual resources or tools or kits. I mean, we had, uh, we had a professor come on to teach Spanish in Texas for lawyers, which of course, uh, Texas has a high Spanish speaking population. So I think these things are instrumental in the success of not only younger lawyers, but lawyers in general, and then also helping uh, the general public. For instance, the tenant and landlord guides that we have online, what are your rights when it comes to being a tenant? What are your rights when it comes to be a landlord? You don't have to be an attorney to get on our website to learn those rights to make sure that, number one, you're following the correct law, but number two, you know exactly what you can and cannot do. Uh, I, I think it affects and benefits young lawyers in Texas because it provides you extra tools. 
you know, when we first start this practice, and I'm sure even now, and, and even now in my six years in the practice, there are many nights where we're burning the midnight oils trying to figure out a certain situation or a certain issue or how to address it or how to e-file something or, or how to create a plan to develop business. Well, we have those outlines on tyla.org, and it's just beneficial for the young lawyers to use those guides. I mean, most people across the state of Texas that are attorneys don't know that they're automatically members of TYLA completely free of charge if they're 36 years of age or under or within their first five years. Uh, you know, this, one of the funnier things that I get as, as I was campaigning is, oh, I don't think I'm a part of that. It's like, well, do you qualify under either of those? And it's like, yes, it's like you're absolutely a part of it. So, um, but, but to, to, to move towards the last part, uh, my pitch to get them involved, get people involved. Honestly, I think if you have a passion for paying it forward, if you have a passion for community service, seeing others do well in addition to yourself, I would absolutely say that you should get involved in Texas Young Lawyers Association. It's a great opportunity not only to provide community service, but to network with attorneys across the entire state of Texas. You never know how you can help them or how they can help you. Um, but, you know, outside of the network, and I would just say it's the pay it forward aspect of it that really draws uh most of us, I, I would say most of us, but I'm, I'm going to say all of us to TYLA and our involvement. Again, it's completely voluntary, and I think it's super beneficial. And at the end of the day, you'll look back on the great work you've done and and say to yourself that you've made the state of Texas a better place. Well, Reggie, we want to thank you once again for uh, stopping by the Highlights podcast, and uh, we wish you the best. Thank you all for having me. Thanks, Reggie. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Highlights Podcast, brought to you by the Houston Young Lawyers Association. To reach us, please email us at highlightspodcast at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you if you have any comments or questions about this episode or thoughts on a future one. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a great rest of your day.